get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, saver retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. And Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kylie. Cardinals coming off of a series this weekend in Philadelphia where they get swept by the Phillies. Aaron Nola looked great yesterday. He's looked solid for much of the season, but it has been a down year given his standards, and he is getting ready to hit the free agent market. And with that as the backdrop, we go out to the 101 ESPN hotline to be joined by Scott Lauber. He's the Phillies writer for the Philadelphia Inquirer. He joins us now on BK and Ferrario. Scott, we appreciate the time, man. Wanted to have you on to get an insider's perspective on what's gone on this year with Aaron Nola. Let's start with this. What has been your perspective of his season overall? You look at some of the underlying numbers, they don't look bad, but overall the ERA is certainly bloated. What have you seen from him? Yeah, I think you guys described it pretty well in your in your intro there, that it's kind of a down year by his standards. Um, I've covered Aaron Nola every day since uh, the 2018 season, which was his best year. It was his third-place Cy Young year, and he's kind of alternated – you know, really, really good seasons with, you know, good seasons, uh, seasons that most pitchers would take, but are, are a bit down a peg from his standard for the last three or four years. It still makes him a really good pitcher. It still makes him, in my mind, a um, number two starter on a really good team, maybe a number one starter on a team that's on the rise or thinks it can contend. Uh, but Wheeler and Nola have been really a really great one-two punch for the Phillies for the last couple of years, and it has been kind of a down year for him. Now, there are a lot of reasons why, and when I say that, um, there are a lot of reasons why, and, and it's also been hard for Aaron himself to pinpoint exactly why. He's given up more home runs than he's used to. He's walked more guys than he's used to. Um, it seems like he's not getting away with as many mistakes as he has in the past when he makes them. Um and some of that, I think, just has to do with the fact that the kind of pitcher that he is. He's not an overpowering guy. He's not going to throw, you know, a 97 or 98-mile-an-hour fastball by guys and overpower with velocity. He's got to be precise. He's got to command. For the most part, over the years, he has commanded very, very well. Uh, it's been a little – it's been probably a tick off this year, and so he's gotten hit a little bit more often. But, you know, again, I think um, – I think Nola's biggest strength, and I'm sure we'll talk about this, is his durability. He posts every five games. He starts 31, 32 games a year. He's made more starts and I believe pitched more innings than anyone since 2018. Him and Garrett Cole are neck and neck, and they kind of, they kind of um, passing one another with each time each guy starts. But uh, that's pretty good company to be in when you're in a, cl- a class with Garrett Cole. And that's where Nola's going to make, I think, his money this offseason. Um, 
teams that value that sort of durability, that sort of reliability. Um, you can sort of set your clock by the fact that he's going to pitch every fifth day, he never gets hurt. And um, even in a time when starting pitching is being devalued, I think, around the league, there's a lot of value in what Aaron Nola does. Well, everybody in St. Louis is really in need of valuing that this upcoming season, which is why he's been a main focal point, uh, Scott. But is the time done in Philadelphia? Because I think a lot of people would be surprised if Philadelphia is moving on from this individual. So I don't think it's done. Um, I know Nola likes it here quite a bit. Uh, The Phillies like uh, the the work that he has done for them. He is homegrown. He's a former first-round pick seventh pick in the country in 2014, uh, came through their system, and he's their best homegrown pitcher since Cole Hamels um, at a minimum. Um, And so, um, you know, he's putting up numbers that put him in kind of rarefied air in terms of Philly's pitching grades over over time. Um, The fact that they couldn't get this thing done in spring training, they couldn't get an extension done, you know, that certainly diminishes their, their chances of keeping him for no reason other than that now they're going to have to bid against everybody else and not just um, and not just talk to him themselves. So that's going to decrease uh, their odds. But one thing that they point to when they talk about NOLA is what happened a few years ago with JT Real Muto. Um, they talked an extension with him, couldn't get it done. He went to free agency. He wound up re-signing. And, um, you know, I think if they feel motivated to get it done, uh, and he wants to stay, it could be a similar situation. Would not be unheard of, obviously, if a guy went to free agency and wound up signing back with his own team, especially one that drafted and developed him. Um, but that said, you know, there are going to be a lot of teams out there, the Cardinals, the Mets, um, I think are going to be two of the, uh, of, of the top ones that want to win next year and need pitching uh, because of all the pitching they traded at the deadline in both cases. Uh, and so Nola's going to look awfully good to some of those teams. So, you know, I think it's going to be competitive. I think the Phillies will be in the mix, and, um, you know, I don't give them a 0% chance, but certainly I give them a bit of a decreased chance. It wouldn't surprise me either to see him come back. I just think it gets a lot harder once he gets the open market. Scott Lauber is our guest here on 101 ESPN. He covers the Philadelphia Phillies for the Philly Inquirer. I I did want to ask you – When you think about Nola conceptually, Scott, and if he were to go to a new team, how do you think he should fit into a rotation? Like, do you view him as a number one, a number two? I know some of these terms can become quite antiquated, but when you think about what Nola should be on a contending level team, where do you think he should slot in? Yeah, I don't I don't think he's any worse than a number two. Um, you know, I look at what the Phillies have done and the Cardinals saw it up close last year in October and don't they saw it again us, please, this Scott. weekend. They saw it again this weekend, right, with Wheeler on Saturday and Nola on Sunday. The Phillies believe and I think last year they kind of proved that they're correct in their thinking that um if you can line up Wheeler and Nola, um it's a difficult one two punch in a short series. And he's every bit um Nola is every bit Fills that fills that role every bit as as much as anybody. So, you know, I think he's um, certainly a number two. I think he can be a number one, but I think he's probably um, he's probably best in kind of a one-two pairing with a guy like Zach Wheeler, who's a little bit different than he is. Wheeler throws a little harder. Wheeler does some things a little bit differently than Nola does, and I think that they complement each other very well. So, I think he's a top of the rotation guy in the sense that. 
you know, he is a, a number two at worst. Um, and you don't have to stretch that far to, uh, to, to put him in your rotation as your number one. When you think about what Aaron Nola is likely to command this offseason, are we talking $30 million? Are we talking more than that on an AAV basis? How much do you think Aaron Nola is likely to get? Oh, it's a great question, and I'm fascinated by it. I've written a lot about it. I wrote a little bit about it in the offseason when they were talking about, you know, uh, going down the extension road, and I re- re- revisited it recently. Um, I don't I don't think he's a $30 million-a-year guy because those guys are, you know, usually have a Cy Young attached to their name or, um, you know, have a little bit more of a um, of a surefire number one than Nola is. I do wonder whether the Carlos Rodon contract last year kind of pushed everything up because, you know, to me there are certain there, – there are classes, right? There's your $30 million per year class, uh, and now, I mean – with where Verlander and Scherzer took their deals on a short-term basis, they're, they put, they, they're in the $43 million range. So you've got the 30 and up class, and then you've got kind of the 22-ish to 20 to 30-ish class where, you know, a guy like Kevin Gosman from the, uh, from the Blue Jays, who was Nola's college classmate at LSU, he's got, you know, he signed a deal two years ago, uh, five years, one, one, uh, 110, uh, 22 a year. Um, and so, you know, there's that like 22 ish to 30 ish class. And then I think that there's the class below that where like, um, Taiwan Walker fit in this past year at 18 per and, uh, Jameson Tyone. I think Nola's above that class, but I think he's probably in that 22 to 30 class. That's a pretty broad group. So does he gravitate more toward Rodon? who I think was 27 a year with the Yankees. Is he closer to Gosman at 22 a year? It's going to be interesting to see how he fits into that. And there are a few guys, I think, who are in that grouping this year coming up. Blake Snell, Julio Urias. Um, you know, it's a pretty good free agent pitching class after, you know, well, I was going to say after Shohei Otani, but it doesn't look like he'll be yeah. on the market as a pitcher anymore, at least for next year. Um but yeah, I mean, so I honestly like maybe the Otani injury helps those guys even more because uh, they float closer to the number. You know, I don't know how you how you rank them, but certainly Nola, Urias, Snell, Jordan Montgomery, probably a notch below those guys. But he's in that grouping. So um, there's a there's a pitcher in Japan who's very highly thought of, Yamamoto. So I mean, there's going to be some competition for really good starting pitching. And I, I think that any of them could fit into that sort of 22 to 25 or 25 to 27 million dollar per year range. Scott, we'll get you out of here on this. How do Phillies fans view Aaron Nola? What's his legacy there if this is the final season of him in Philly? That's a great question. Um, so my my view of how Phillies fans view him <laughs> <laughs> sure. is I, I honestly think that he's underappreciated in some aspects here. Um I don't think he feels that way. It's just my perception of, of it, uh, and I don't know why. I mean, normally, so I've worked in Philadelphia. I worked in Boston. I'm back in Philadelphia. It's my second stint here. And normally, most places I go, uh, most teams that I'm around, most cities that I go to, the homegrown guys kind of get a little bit more of a, I don't want to say a pass, but maybe more preferential treatment because, hey, they're one of us, right? We drafted them. We grew them. You know, so, you know, maybe those guys can struggle a bit more and get a little bit of a pass, whereas the guy who comes in via free agency, you know, um, 
the expectations are a little higher and there's a little bit less of that sort of tolerance for struggle. Here, it seems like it's always been the opposite to me, whether it's Nola or Reese Hoskins. Um, and I don't know whether it was because those guys have been here long enough that they were here at the beginning of their careers during some lean times in Philadelphia. And so it took them a while, as it took the franchise a while, to get over the hump last year, make the playoffs finally after a 10 years out of it and, and get to the World Series. But, you know, it always has seemed to me in the time I've been back here since 2018 that, you know, there's a little bit less patience sometimes for, for those guys. And I've never really understood that. As I said, he's, he's sort of in, in rarefied air in terms of um, where he stands in in uh, a lot of the pitching categories in franchise history. He is a, I believe now, six-time uh, opening day starter for them. There's a certain um, there's a certain gravitas, I think, that kind of comes with that or that should come with that. So I don't know. I think that um, some sometimes the up and down can wear on fans a little bit here. He's, to me, way more up than down. Um, I think he's a really good pitcher, as I said. And, you know, I... I it would not surprise me at all if he winds up staying here because, like I said, I know he, he enjoys it here. Um, you know, I talked to him quite a bit last year down the stretch, right around this time of year when playoffs were getting closer and it was starting to look like they were going to finally get over that hump and break that 10 years out. And he was talking about how much he was looking forward to that atmosphere because, you know, he said, and Reese Hoskins said, you know, they've heard all the stories about 2007, 8, 9, 10, 11 when the Phillies were. Um, in the playoffs every year and won a world series and won two pennants and five division titles and, and how this city really gets behind the Phillies when the Phillies are good, but they hadn't seen that yet. And then I remember talking to him after the world series was over last year. And he said, man, um, everything they said was true. You know, like it's a really awesome place to be when the team is good and, and, and the place is rocking in October and things like that. So I think that's still all very fresh in his mind. I think he's going to get another taste of it this, this October. I don't know how far they'll go. But he's going to get another taste of that, so that'll be kind of um, something that's that's going to be with him once he hits free agency. So it wouldn't surprise me. But I, I, you know, like I said, now he's going to be out there. He's going to get to test his value. He's going to get to see how he's valued, not just you know, not so much by you know fans or anything, but by other front offices and by other teams. He's going to get to see how he's valued, whether it's higher, lower, same. Um, and and I think that's going to kind of be an experience that you know some guys like that experience. Some guys don't. I'm not sure how he's going to feel about it once he gets there. Um, but, you know, I do think he'll have his eyes open and, and see what else is out there and, and kind of weigh it against what he's known and, and always known and, and see where he fits. Scott, I will definitely be curious to see how the next month or two goes for Aaron Nola in Philadelphia. We will be curiously watching as to how it uh, affects the Cardinals' pursuit of Aaron Nola this offseason. Thanks so much for the time, man. feel like we got a better insight into uh, what Aaron Nola's season has been, what his career's been like up in Philadelphia. Hopefully we'll talk with you again soon as we get closer to the official beginning of his free agency sweepstakes. Definitely. Sure thing, guys. Anytime.